we are an important part of community. We, we really are. Uh, re restaurants and cafes, bakeries, you know, bars, you know, they're important things. They're important pillars of our society and they, and they need to be nurtured because they're also really fragile. And, you know, we've, we've, we've been through the ringer last, last sort of few years. But I think we also just need, you know, a little bit of empathy and a bit of help and support. Otherwise, we're just going to, just, you'll just kill Hospo. This is the Deep in the Weeds podcast. I'm Anthony Huckstep. On the 1st of June, travel restrictions will ease in New South Wales. It marks a time when our society can brush off the cobwebs, stretch the legs and emerge from hibernation. With international travel still uncertain, will regional hubs like Byron Bay be suddenly awash with visitors? Darren Robertson is one of Australia's most influential chefs, the former head chef of Tetsuya's. He's now the co-owner of many of the Three Blue Ducks and rocker in Bondi. Darren, how are you going? Good, mate. Pretty good. Um... Yeah, I'm just at home. I've just got home because the Wi-Fi here is pretty good. It's terrible on the farm. <laughs> so I'm sat here in, a, in an empty house drinking tea, which doesn't happen very often. <laughs> well, um, yeah, you've been afforded a bit of time at the moment. You know, what's what's it been like, this period where you've had the forced sort of closure of many of all of your restaurants and you have many of them? Um, can you Can you tell us what it was like early on? So it was weird because, you know, obviously we all saw it come in looking at the restaurant scene in, in well, sort of London and, you know, New York. And, and obviously, so it was like, oh, you know, shit, this, this doesn't look great. But in the sort of true Aussie fashion, it's kind of like, oh, you know, we'll be all right, like you kind of do. And then it reached our shores and then the, it just happened so quickly. Um, and that was it. Yeah, it was just before we know it, you know, like obviously sales dropped, people stopped coming. And then it was, I think we had like, you know, not, not, you know, a couple of days to decide and then it was just forced upon us. So we all... I remember we, we got all the staff in and uh, just to let them know what was going to go down, that we were going to close all the restaurants. And um, I remember Paul Dewhurst, who's our ops manager, had, had like a bit of a statement and he had it written up. And so he was sort of reciting this thing. And the poor, poor guy had to recite this to every single restaurant. And um, he was just in tears on the phone. And so we, we had it through like our sort of speaker system on the farm. And it, I, we were just in tears. It was, it was, it was, it was, I couldn't string a sentence together. So um, we sort of listened to him, you know, about what was happening and, and, just, and just sort of his appreciation of like, you know, what, what we'd created in 10 years. And, um, <clears throat> and then Jeff went and, and I had to sort of say something. And uh, it, was, it was really hard. And um, I remember, so, you know, we sort of, you know, told everything what, we, what we're going to do. And we had sort of plans to, you know, cook up staff meals and, and certainly try and look after one another as much as we can. And it was just really surreal. And I, I, I remember immediately after we'd sort of said, okay, this is it. I remember the phone rang and, <laughs> and Mags called me and she's like, you've got to come home. Uh, Charlie's just fallen off the climbing frame and I, I think he's broken his leg. And he's really sleepy. And he's really sleepy. I think he's going to die. Oh, fuck, fuck's sake! And I was, just, I was like, it was just such a. It was a crazy day. And I was like, not now. Like I just, like, is he? Is he all right? Is he? And uh, yeah, it was mental. And then that was it. And then yeah, it just um, it, it seems like a lifetime ago now, to be honest. And the rest of it's just been like all of us. It's just been full of, you know. 10 hours a day of like zoom calling and, and just trying to react to different circumstances and rules and regulations and fear. And, uh, yeah, so it's just been, yeah, it, it's been, it's been really hard for everyone. 
Um, but in, in, in true HOSPO fashion, it's also been really cool to see, like, you know, I'm on a sort of couple of, you know, like chef WhatsApps uh, and, and just, you know, people calling up, you know, just chatting to, you know, like, you know, the Brent Savages and, and just, and just people that, you know, really respect uh, when you've got those kind of moral ethical dilemmas. And it's just, you know, it's all those, like the indecision of, are we doing the right thing here? You know, you're doing the right thing by the business to survive or by the staff, you, you know, and it's, uh, and, and that's the, that's the tricky stuff. It's the, it's the indecision, those moments of decision, you know, do we go left or right? In those, in those moments of indecision, um, were there fears that you would lose the restaurants, you know, and, and can you tell us about some of the t- decisions you did make early on um, to sort of keep the business businesses alive? Yeah, we did. We, yeah. So, so firstly, yes, we did. I, I remember coming home to Mags and I, I sort of, and I sat down and I just said, look, we, we, you know, we may lose the lot here. Um, and, but you know, you know, at the end of the day, you know, we've got each other, we've got the kids, and it was, and it was that it was a real realization. She's like, no, come on. I said, no, seriously, like this is, yeah, like I, I'm not sure what's going to happen here, but this is, this is, yeah, this is pretty serious now. And so then it's, um, so definitely, I thought we could lose them all, and, and, you know, and still could, like we're definitely not out of the woods yet. Um, with regards to what actions did we take to preserve the business? I mean, we did, you know, we we did a few. You sort of. You kind of run the numbers. I mean, for us, it's worst possible timing. You know, it's as it is for many restaurants. You know, we're just about to open in, you know, in Melbourne. So, you know, huge investment in that. Um, so, you know, the well's pretty dry. <laughs> and um, so it, it was basically, look, we cut everything. We closed. And then we just, we, we, we worked out how much we've got in the kitty. And there's it's basically um, formed like a whole list of suppliers that we owe, you know, that we deal with. And then we just basically for the next week, and it, that's a lot between all the restaurants, we're talking hundreds of supplies and, you know, some are large and there's, you know, your little kind of family run farm, there's all sorts of, I just personally rang them up and just said, look, this is it. This is what we owe. You know, we are good for it, but just to keep us afloat, if you can, any chance, if you could like, we could do a payment plan or we could just, you know, if you could, we could put it on hold for a bit, like whatever you guys can do, like everyone's circumstances are different. You know, we, we did that. If I think if we had paid everyone out, all of our bills, tax and stuff, you know, there's, you'd sort of go under. So, and then by, it just bought us a bit more time. And obviously, you know, the kind of job keeper, you know, sort of certain, you know, tax um, assistance, that all kind of presented itself. So, and then, but, you know, there, there are certain lifelines, but, you know, that, that was definitely a big thing. It was just communication, you know, and then obviously just sitting down with, with staff and some, you know, who aren't still aren't eligible for, you know, benefits and just, just reassuring and, and just doing as, you know, sort of much as you can. What, what's the scale of your businesses and, and what's been the impact on, on your staff? Well, we've got, so right now we've, we've got about 250 staff across them all. And obviously, the, you know, there's a lot of people on, you know, sort of visas and stuff. So from place to place. So, so right now, we've, you know, we've got as many as we can in, in we've opened Byron and, and Bronte. We just opened Rocco a couple of weeks ago. And we've got anyone that's on JobKeeper, you know, they're kind of doing their hours. And everyone else, I mean, some have found work elsewhere. And, and, that, and that was the first. We were brutally honest with the first chat. We were like, there's going to be a lot of businesses that will flourish and a lot will go under. Certainly here in Byron, you know, IGA were just advertising for, you know, shelf stackers. 
just just do it like you know if, if you need the money do what you need to do just 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 whatever it is and that and that was it you know uh, and um hopefully we'll be back but we can't guarantee it right now and so you know any, anyone that is struggling and of course like most oh, you know it's like you know most young hospo workers where you're a chef waiter you you, you main you, you know you're living week to week i know i was when i was in my 20s so you've got no money, you've got, you've got no savings. So now we basically, we, we're just donating money. Um, so staff and owners just donate money to pay for uh, boxes. So they get, so they get a box of groceries every week. And then a lot of them live, you know, in sort of share accommodation or they've, you know, frozen rents and stuff. So we're kind of, you know, we're kind of doing bits and pieces, but, um, yeah, yeah, it's been tricky. The impact that it, there's been on sort of the international workers on visas and, you know, you're reliant on a lot of those. What, what do you think the impact's going to be moving forward as the industry tries to emerge from this with them not being supported by the government? I don't know. Yeah, I, I really don't know. I mean, that, that, that's really tricky. Like, I get contacted definitely weekly, if not every other day. I sort of chat today with a guy at the farmer's market and it's just, you know, any news, any, like, any changes in news, that's like... Dude, like, yeah, I've got nothing at the moment. Like, I, I, have, I have no idea, you know, what, what's going to happen. I know there was this big sort of, you know, miscalculation with JobKeeper and there was a bit of hope there. And, uh, you know, we, we've all been just, you know, run, trying to do as much as we can to keep the business afloat with one eye on Twitter and, you know, the news, we, you know, because announcements have been coming thick and fast. And I, I'm just really hopeful that there is some sort of recognition on their contribution and the importance that has on to, you know and our you know industry and the knock-on effect that has on with global tourism and and, and, and you know and and all of that the, the benefits of that trade I, I just hope someone sits down and, and, and makes these decisions and sees the big picture for what it is but yeah you know who knows what's it been like opening the restaurants with the restrictions that are on at the moment um <laughs> You know, it is what it is. You know, I, I think everyone's just going through a different sort of, you know, business module, model re, reshuffle. You know, it's it, we just you know the, the first two weeks it was just every friend, member of family of just saying, you know, you know what you should do, you should do this, you should do that. So we, you're just trying everything. You know, you can see the whole of Instagram's left me up with. You know, everyone's doing home meals and home deliveries and just doing whatever you can just to cultivate some income and to create work for your employees. So it's been, and, and to be honest, a lot of that I really enjoy. Like I, I do like, I, I like, I, I like change and challenge and, you know, certainly when you're the shit's hitting the fan as it often is in kitchens and your back's against the wall, you know, they kind of, you know, a lot of people sort of thrive in those conditions. But I think just because it's been relentless and all, and pretty much nonstop, you just kind of like, oh, just bring on some sort of normality, however that looks, because yeah, it is, it's quite exhausting. You sort of, you, you're at work and you're tr just trying new shit, you know, just go, okay, let's, let's give this a go, you know, restructuring the whole thing, hand sanitizers, you know, distancing the whole shebang. But then you come home, it's just a continuation. Look, I'm, if I'm not at work, I'm in the garden, pacing up and down <laughs> on my phone to my other, other business partners and, you know, and poor mags. You know? And, um, and it's just, yeah, and then you, you, you're just always on all the time, just going, okay, what about this? What about that? So, um, but I can't, you know, I'm, I'm not going to get the violin out. Like I, I, there's, a, there's a lot of people that I know, a lot of, you know, friends of ours that, you know, just haven't, that won't survive that, and that's it. And, and I just, I, I'm really hopeful that we can get through. Uh, 
Yeah, so so I'm also really grateful. Like I'm grateful that when we, when we shut for a couple of weeks in Byron, we opened the doors for coffee and a bit of takeaway. And I was just grateful to see, you know, we did that sort of handful of guests the first day and just to see anyone there. And it was it was so lovely. I remember I remember Lady Kay, I don't know who she was, some some lady she came and bought a flat white and she um she paid for eleven flat whites. So she paid for the next next ten customers came and got a free coffee. And I just thought it was such a lovely thing. You know, just these little sort of acts of kindness, um, which was really, which was really cool, which you don't often see in normal life because we're all so bloody busy. Do you think there is a greater sense of community around your restaurants building and in the society as a result of what's happened? I think definitely. I think hopefully there's a, there's, there's always been a sense of community. I just hope, I hope now it gets recognized. I think it's, you know, by authorities that we are an important part of community. We, We really are. Uh, restaurants and cafes, bakeries, you know, bars, you know, they're important things. They're important pillars of our society and they, and they need to be nurtured because they're also really fragile. And, you know, we've, we've, we've been through the ringer last, last sort of few years and we've been, we've been under scru- such scrutiny. And I, and I think, you know, to some degree, rightly so, but I think we also just need, you know, a little bit of empathy and a bit of help and support. Otherwise we're just going to, you just, you'll just kill hospo. Um, so I think it's been a really, it's been very, very timely this, because I think, you know, it was on the ropes anyway, you know, the sort of bushfires and, you know, um, so I think I do, I I think, I think a lot of, a lot of good will come through this. I I really do. I think just, and just sort of seeing the support and, and, and also if nothing else, like the, the explosion of, um, interest in food and cooking, you know, not only what we do and, you know, cooking at home and appreciation for like, for decent, you know, for real food and comfort food. And like, that's been really, you know, there's some really nice things that have come out of this. Do you know what I mean? Like, you know, so, um, yeah, man, I don't want to, you know, I don't want to just have my head in the sand, but I am, I'm, I'm really, I'm, I'm very, very hopeful. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Do you think it'll change what you do with the restaurants? Yeah, definitely. Once you do fully open up again, what's, what's some of the things that you think will happen? Um, I mean, that's, I, I think definitely, I mean, we've been w- working on this for a while, but like just, you know, just cutting the fat and, and, and double downing on, on, on what works, you know, whether it's the offering or even just, you know, you know, preparation, for example, you, know, you just can't, you know, going back to the test days when it was 20, you know, 22 chefs, you know, making something that was absolutely you know, amazing for like a, you know, sort of once in a lifetime meal. But there was so much preparation. It's almost it's almost unachievable now. You know, there's not many places that would be. I just can't see unless you've got stagiaires and people working for nothing. And so we we we're kind of on the other end of the the, the extreme for that. So we're just like, okay, you know, we've always been like, let's leave the skins on, let's do this, this. But all, you know, it's very, very it's, it, you're almost kind of forced to now. And I, I I hope people don't start cutting corners and stuff. But I just think you'll have to look approach food in a, in a more probably a more common sense way um be even more creative uh and i i really think it's going to raise the bar i, I really do I, I think obviously there'll probably be a you know our infatuation for comfort food now and nostalgia will, will definitely blossom coming at coming out of this and then who knows where it's going to go but I, I think definitely it will change i think you'll see a lot more connection to producers i, I, I you know sort of duncan kind of hinted on this you know just closing that gap and I think those those sort of chefs that have paved the way and, and work closely with you know sort of small wineries and farms, I mean, there's a real conver- you know there's a conversation about you know regen ag and that's kind of bubbling away. So I think yeah, I, I do think some good things will come. Yeah. Why did you become a chef? 
so I was gonna I was gonna become a, like a bloody graphic designer or something correct like a photographer and I was studying art and design I was washing up in a little um, seafood restaurant in my hometown which is Deal in the UK um, which had like a I think two or three rosettes and um, the head chef there was um, there was two actually two head chefs and they were complete bastards but uh, <laughs> they did let me they let me white heat because of the you know sort of cutting edge back then the sort of grainy kitchen shots and photography and that was it and like many chefs my age it just became the sort of that was it sort of lit the match and um i decided there and then that was it i was going to bloody i was going to become a chef and uh so I, I did my apprenticeship in my hometown i did that for a couple of years which was hell absolute hell and and sort of left home and i was really lucky enough to work in some great restaurants around sort of you know sussex and kent and then decided yeah i got given the opportunity to come to australia and work for tets and, and that was it i sort of jumped at the chance and 20 years late and a few few gray hairs here i am <laughs> <laughs> well, you ended up being the head chef at Tetsu's, you know, one of the greatest restaurants in Australia's history. Mm. But there was a stage when you cut ties there and left and Three Blue Ducks couldn't be further away from something like Tetsu's. Can you tell us a little bit about that change? I know. I, I think that was part of the idea. I, I left and I had no idea what I was going to do. So I just, I gave a year's notice because I, I didn't want to fall. I didn't want to burn my bridges. I was so respectful of Tets and the brigade and what he sort of stood for and, and what he'd given me. And, um, but I couldn't open my own restaurant because I was like, there's just, I'm so, I'm almost typecast. Everything's going to be a derivative of the ocean trout or, you know, the kind of ravioli and, I just think people will see through it. So I, I traveled for a bit and um, and then I decided uh, pop-ups were starting to take off a little bit of someone doing pop-ups at home in, in Hong Kong. There was a little scene bubbling in Chicago. And I was like, oh, God, give that a go. Just do pop-ups, just to cook whatever I want in sort of interesting spaces. And that's it. We sort of, I started like this little table sessions. I was cooking, you know, food at uh, farmer's markets, you know, Piermont and Bondi, checking out little farms that were, you know, farmers that were there and I'd sort of buy some of their produce and cook it up at home probably highly illegal and then, and then, and then serve it in the Saturday uh, on the markets. And then, you know, the toys started and met up with Morgan McClone and, and Mel and Hongi and Mitch and stuff. And that, and, and then that's it. And then sort of become interested in food again. And then I, I just, I did one of these table session pop-ups at the ducks, which had been open about eight or nine months with Marky. And it just, it just something clicked. I just really enjoyed working in, you know, a kitchen again with, but with music blaring and, and sort of less rules. It was, it, you know, it's quite scary working for a, well, certainly consuming and exhausting working, trying to protect those free hats. Um, and so suddenly it was just like, oh, yeah, let's try that. And he was like, yeah, let's do it. Let's, let's do it. And so, and, and so that became really fun. Um, but yeah, it, it, it's, it's definitely, yeah, I, I just, I just didn't want to, I went to just do, do something completely different with food. My, you know, my approach still use, very similar products, like you know, the, you know the breast stuff that you can get your hands on, but just do something else with it. And yeah, so I just I, I've still got such a respect for that, you know, the fine dining restaurants and and really you know keep an eye on what they're doing, where food's going. And, and don't get me wrong, I'd love to go and see you know six pennies and you know sepias and stuff, but I, I just had enough. I just um, yeah. Well, the three the three blue ducks model you know, is really reliant on amazing producers and you also grow your own produce and particularly up in the farm. Um, what's, what's been the impact on producers and that you deal with and what's the sort of road to recovery for them? Yes. So they, they've been hit as well. And, um, 
you know, on a global level, you know, I, was, I, was, um, I did a thing with, with Jack Stein. They've got this like virtual food fest, and they basically done it for producers in the UK, where they were just basically having to. A lot of them were just digging in. There was a guy that grew, grows asparagus. They had plans on digging it back into the soil because he couldn't find a home for it. And so, you know, they put a call out there and they sort of tried to sell it. Similar things have been happening up here. You know, a lot of the farmers have been doing their own veggie boxes. And there's been sort of pop-up ro roadside stalls. But it obviously it's been really difficult for them. You know, they, they've you can't, you know, sort of bloody go and unplant a whole paddock full of, you know, carrots and eggplants and chilies and stuff. Um, so they've had to roll with, you know, they've had to kind of roll with the punches as well. Um, it, it, it has been very, very difficult. Um, but yeah, I don't know. Yeah. It's just it, like, if we, if we're shut, it's hard to sell a lot, a lot of this stuff, but I think with definitely with Byron because of the community and it is quite a small town, they found little ways to, you know, to, to sell some of their stuff. Well, there's a really interesting period of time coming up for our society with, you know, restrictions easing, you know, we've allowed 10 seats in restaurants and as of the 1st of June, that'll change to 50 if you have the space for it, but also people will be allowed to travel. You know, how are you feeling about potentially having, you know, tourists back in town? Um I don't know. We'll see how it goes. I mean, yeah, there, there is, I'm just about to do a road trip, actually. I'm just going to about to drive to bloody Sydney for the first time in months because uh, we're all preparing ourselves, yeah, for this sort of 50 packs rule. There's definitely, um, you know, sort of airing of excitement, I think, for, you know, this 1st of June. You're seeing it a lot of, you know, Airbnbs are being book, booked up. And I think businesses are excited to do some, some you know, some real trade. But, yeah, I'll see. I don't know. I'm, I'm also approaching it with, you know, sort of healthy amount of scepticism as well. And I, I think we just need to, yeah, you know, like the, the, the initial reactions are correct. Let's open everything. Let's full menu. Let's get all the staff back. But I, I, I just don't want to sort of leave the pack blind. And yeah, I think we just have to, let, let, let's bring on the 1st of June, see how that goes. And I, I think, you know, it is going to take a while for people to confidently eat out again and spend money. And there's definitely people are so excited to get back into restaurants and cafes again, but how long that's going to last and how long we can sustain it, you know, will we have to change prices and structures? So yeah, we'll, we'll see how it goes. This period of time that's given you, you know, some time off from, from things, but also a bit of stress and anxiety about the future of your own restaurants, you know, what's some of the positives to come out of this personally for you and some of the experiences you've had? Um, I think, to be honest, I think um, cooking at home. I've actually, I went like you know, obviously cooking a dinner at the home every night. We just try to do something different, which has actually been really nice. And just hang, like on, hanging out with the kids, trying to be present with the kids. You know, go for swims and walks, and you know, the gardens looking bloody awesome. Uh, and to be, you know, to be fair to them, just just to try and switch off. You know, it, it did become a bit much where like the phone is stuck to my ear 24 hours a day. But, um, you know, I, I think it definitely gives you a perspective on, you know, what what really matters as well and what, and what needs to be nurtured and protected. And I think, you know, family is important and, and, and health and well-being. Um, otherwise, what's the point? So um, so that, that, you know, that's been nice. Obviously, the kids haven't been at school, so they've had a bloody great time. You know, they've, they've been, they, get, they, get to, they get to see mum and dad every single day. Um, so that's, that's been good. And, and to me, I was just like, it has, it's, it's just, I think 
you know, it's just been a big reset. I think it's just been a big reset for everyone. You know, I've been phoning up old friends, probably spoke to my, you know, sort of my mum more in the last bloody, you know, couple of months than the last few years. Like just, just little things like that where, yeah, just, just you've, you've been given a little bit more time and space and, and sort of reflection, um, if not sort of stoked by these times of emergency and panic. Like it is still reflection, you know, nevertheless. So, um, so that, you know, I'm, I'm really grateful for, and, and, and I just, and I think a lot of people are here this lot, it's almost like we don't want to go back to how it was like, it, you know, it has been such a bloody struggle for so many years and, and some things where you're just striving to get whatever it is, be it hats or accolades or whatever. You just, um, I think, you know, our, our energy maybe is going to shift into other things and, and, you, and just saying no to, you know, there's so much stuff, there's so much stuff, it's just fluff that you, you, you just sort of, yeah, kind of sort of chasing rabbits. And now it's just like, no, this, just concentrate on what works and what makes you happy and, and what fulfills you, you know, as a human and, 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 and feeds the business. And, you know, um, I think, yeah, the stuff that counts. Do you think a better um, type of restaurant industry will emerge in restaurant experience um, and, you know, experience in regards to people working in it and diners as well? You know, I really, it breaks my heart when you read reports now of, you know, it's, we've, we've been open five minutes and people are no showing still than you know, stuff. Like that. Um, so I, I, I really do. I hope so. I mean, it could go either way. It could, you know, go completely, you know, delivery servicing and, and, you know, you know, just automated bloody robots in the kitchens and apps and stuff, or I, I, we could go back to basics and the sort of birth of just old school restaurants doing, you know, cooking real food and real service and the and, and appreciation for that. I, I think definitely there has been a, a, an oversaturation of, of, of what we do, but, uh, I, I do, I, I think I, I'm, I'm hoping it will improve. I, I'm, I really do. I think obviously a lot of people are, are going to have to, you know, people will go under and that's, that's terrible. That's a tragedy, but, um, the, the ones that do survive will have no choice that just become better. So what's the state of your businesses at the moment? You know, you were looking to open in Melbourne um, and you've got restaurants in Sydney and in Byron. Have you treated those restaurants differently as you're opening up? And, and what are the plans for the future, with, particularly with Melbourne? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> well, it's uh, Melbourne, you know, we're hopefully going to open. Uh, we, we're still going to open. You know, it's, it's being built. Um, this, it's on a surf park. It's in Tullamarine, you know, next to an airport. After a pandemic, we're going to be printing our own money. <laughs> 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 it's um, I don't know. We, we're, we're thinking about September. You know, we're still look, we're still going ahead with it. We're still designing menus and you know, reaching out to suppliers and and you know, staffing to a degree. So it is, yeah, yeah. We're still going to open we're later in the year. I, I, don't, I don't know when. Hopefully September. Um, and then the rest, the other restaurants, you know, Bronte's open. So the Bronte will run seven days and we're going to do some dinners. Rocker, um, we don't open Rocker as well. So we do, you know, four days a week and, and honing more on, again, what works, what, you know, the, the brunches and the dinners were, you know, really greatly received. But then you're doing those quiet times. You're like, oh, let's do breakfast. Let's do this. You're trying to be everything for everyone. You, you know, something falls and it's the same with all of them. So it's just... I think with each of the different businesses, they are standalone businesses. Um, and so it's kind of, it's rejigging them and improving them all to sort of, yeah, to, to, to hopefully bloody survive. Um, Rosebury will open back up, you know, a couple of weeks. And then, we, you know, we've got one at Brisbane 
um, at the W Hotel. So, I mean, and that's that's another one. So there's just there's conversations, obviously, you know, every week on you know when and how we execute these openings. But it's definitely it's you know so it's yeah it, it hopefully it will happen very quickly. We know they'll open the borders. They'll lift some of the restrictions, and you know we'll have a we'll have a sort of fighting chance. What do you love about restaurants, and what are you looking forward to most when you get a chance to go to the likes of Sixpenny and the restaurants of those ilk and your your mates? Honestly, well, that's it. You've answered it. I, I, that's it. They're, they're my mates. I, I, I'm I was lucky, even you know, at Tets to be around some. It was twenty, yeah, twenty twenty two of us. I think it's probably been documented, but like. From that brigade, it was like, you know, the Dan Hong, Shannon Debrasini, Luke Powell, Filthy Phil. You know, it's just, you know, it's just amazing. Pepper, pepper all. <laughs> and I, I'm lucky enough where I pretty, pretty much am in contact with almost every single one of them. And I'm, I miss them. I miss all their restaurants. They've all, they've all cook like, you know, ninjas and their, their restaurants are all so different. Um, so I, I miss that. I miss, I miss the scene. And not in this sort of like wanky, you know, pretentious way, but just the camaraderie. And seeing what people are doing and seeing what they're, you know, are now interested in. And, you know, you know, we've all got kids and it's certainly not this sort of, it's not as rock and roll as it used to be. But I, I, I missed that. You know, Sydney was such an exciting place, you know. It's sort of, yeah, I think the last 10 years just seen so much, like, amazing stuff come out of, you know, come out of Sydney, you know, and, and Melbourne and, and sort of put us on the map globally. And, and it was just, it's been so lovely just to watch that and be, and, and be a part of it. And I, I, some, you know, some cracking meals. So I, I, I really, I, I just miss that. I just, I, I, I love going out, you know, as much as you, mate. I, just, I love going somewhere and like, you know, you, you sit there and you're super excited and you get that cheeky beer and then check out the wine list. And and just, it's just the simple things for me. And I was just like some freshly shucked oysters. You're like, oh, fuck, this is going to be amazing, you know? And then, yeah, I, 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 I crave that. <laughs> so, um, yeah, we'll see. How are you feeling about jumping in the car for the first time and driving to Sydney uh, to come and sort out the restaurants? But it's been a while, hasn't it? It has. I can't bloody wait. I, I'm actually really excited. There's so many like podcasts and stuff I want to listen to. <laughs> <laughs> I know a good one. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I'm really. Um, yeah, I'm only going. Through, I've got to come back up because it's, it's Charlie's second birthday on on uh, Sunday. But I'm really looking forward just to see. Like, it, it is important. You know, it's been so much of this. You know, sort of. A lot of over the phone and uh, sort of Zoom calls and stuff, but I think there's you know, there's a lot to be said with you know sort of human connections, sitting next to someone face to face, and and just feeling how a place is, and um, so I, I'm you know I'm really looking forward to it, just to check you know to go and check in on a few people and friends and and, and sort of other chefs. So uh, yeah, well, mate, really appreciate you talking today, and look forward to actually catching up in person sometime in the near future and having a cheeky beer maybe. Absolutely. Um, take care and uh, good luck in Sydney this week and also opening up the restaurants up there. Cheers, mate. Uh, particularly in Byron because you might uh, have a few people coming up. I hope so. Mate, thanks Thanks so much and, and awesome. I love the podcast. I'm, I'm a real fan of this podcast. <laughs> so great to be on. Checks in the mail. Thanks, mate. <laughs> <laughs> See you, mate. This is the Deep in the Weeds podcast. I'm Anthony Huckstep. Stay tuned as we share the stories of Australia's hospital community, suppliers and producers in search of hope during this pandemic. Special thanks to executive producer Rob Locke for making this all happen. Follow us on Instagram at Deep in the Weeds podcast or email us at podcast at deepintheweeds.com.au.
stay safe and be well.